1: Hi, everybody. My name is Greg Katz, and welcome to another edition of We Are SC's Inside the Trojans Huddle. Inside the Trojans' Huddle is a game-like panel discussion with We Are columnists and staff writers. We start with the pregame show where we introduce our panel members for this edition of Inside the Trojan Settle and give you the latest USC Trojans football news. First, let's meet this week's panelists. Mark Culkin, we are SC who writes the Monday Morass, Yay or Nay, and Sunday Takeaways in addition to regular season practice reports of football and basketball. Chris Arledge, former William Jewell College DB and team captain. And we are columnist who writes the popular column Musings with Arledge, Kevin Bruce, former All Conference linebacker and team captain for the 1975 USC Trojans. He's a we are columnist who writes the defensively and offensively speaking after every USC football game. And Greg Katz, that's me, your host and moderator of Inside the Trojan Subtle, and a weekly we are S C columnist writes the obvious and not so obvious, and IMHO Sunday. Well, before we kick off our special edition this week, here is the latest USC football news. A large contingency of blue chippers from the recruiting class of 2022, 23, and 24, along with some of the cream of the crop from around the country were on campus this weekend for what was billed as Junior Day. Among the notables from the surging class of 223, were local, uh, local, local players like Los Alamitos quarterback Malachi Nelson and receiver Makai Lemon from Bellflower, California, St. John Bosco two-way star Mateo Ugalele, and San Diego running back Brian Jackson. In addition, there were out-of-staters like Florida running back Cedric Baxter, Washington defensive lineman Jaden Wayne and corner Caleb Presley, Connecticut offensive lineman Olus Almanen, and Utah edge rusher, Hunter Craig, in addition to Hawaii linebacker, Deano Lafau and Nevada edge rusher, Kelsey Howard. And five former Trojans participated in some shape or form at this past week's NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Drake London did not participate physically before in the interview sessions. London is expected to participate in his own private workout outside of USC's upcoming Pro Day. Those to- Trojans that did work out included Drake Jackson, Deontay Ingram, Chris Steele, and Isaac Taylor Stewart. And key backup quarterback, Mo Hassan, the former Vanderbilt transfer who was coming off of a major ACL injury, suffered during last spring's ball, announced he ruptured his right Achilles tendon that required surgery. It leaves the Trojans which has two scholarship quarterbacks for spring ball. Trojans have two walk-on quarterbacks in the class of 2022. Gage Roy, and Keegan Patterson. And in a great public relations gesture last week, Trojans quarterback, Caleb Williams, who has an NIL contract with Beats by Trey, handed out complimentary earphones to the USC women's basketball team. And finally, friends, we are SCs inside the Trojans' Subtle Greatly appreciates your viewer and listenership. We appreciate and encourage those of you watching on site, like YouTube, to click on the red subscriber button and also a like would be greatly appreciated. And it's all free. So with that in mind, we've got the pregame show out of the way. It's time to turn to the first quarter. All right. Kickoff time. First quarter question. Panel. What are the effects of losing backup quarterback mohassan for spring practice and possibly the 2022 season due to a torn Achilles tendon? And what should Lincoln Riley do about it? As always, our leadoff hitter, Mark Culkin, what should he do about it? Well,
0: you know, I think you're going to see both Caleb and Miller Moss wrapped up in yellow caution tape. Um, behind them, you've got, you know, I'm not sure, and no disrespect to the walk-ons who were on the squad last year, uh, Brendan Costello, Brad Aoki, Isaac Ward. I don't know who is still available as far as eligibility, but you know, there's going to be some tired arms. Number one, when you consider all the reps that have to be taken during spring camp, um, you know who is the backup? You know, when they have the the, the Trojan huddle, the showcase, whatever they're going to call it, um, you got to have another quarterback available. You now, if you remember last year uh, when the the roster was getting a little thin back there, I I asked uh, Dante, you know, who, who's your emergency quarterback? And he didn't mention any of the walk-ons. He mentioned Joseph Manjack, and he's, you know, back off and he went to Houston. So there's a little bit of a situation. So as a result, uh, long-winded, you're going to see a heavy emphasis on the run game this spring, which is fine. Um, I don't think anybody's going to be disappointed that uh, USC is learning how to play physical football in the spring.
1: So if there's a positive out of the negative, there you go. All right, let's move on to the El Capitan, uh, Mr. Uh, Kevin Bruce. So you're uh, Lincoln Riley. What do you do?
2: Yeah, it it is a it's got a problem, and uh, you know, not naming an emergency quarterback <laughs> really is uh, tells you how how much uh, issues that uh, we have with depth. And and let's face it, it's one play away, and you know, it's, it's not a cliche. It's it's that's truth, you know. Everybody's one play away, and you know, from next guy standing up. And we have had a history over the last several years of the backup quarterback uh, stepping in, most often a freshman in their very first game or first adventure uh, on, on the field as a uh, uh, you know, I was going to say starter, but as as the uh, the number one quarterback. So anyway, uh, Lincoln Riley's. Got, uh, is going to have to go to the portal, see what he could come up with. And um, I, I, I'm sure they're
3: doing that as
2: we speak, uh, frankly, and to, to come up with uh, additional uh, uh, depth in the quarterback ranks.
0: Yeah, but how, I don't know if that's going to be able to help them this spring. You can't get anybody in that's going to help them this spring. That's the issue, I think. That As far
2: as what's coming in the, in well, the summer and uh, so forth, that's coming. Yeah, well, look, the spring ball is—that's um, is, nice. So, you know, you got enough guys to get to put a team on the field and practice. I'm more concerned about what happens after spring. So maybe I—you know—I I got my own question.
1: All right, I can see patiently waiting. The uh, white mamba is ready to uh, strike. Hopefully, uh, Mr. Chris Arledge, your your Lincoln Riley, what are you doing about it?
3: I don't think I'm losing any sleep over it. Look, almost every football team, when you go from your starting quarterback to your backup quarterback, there's a drop off. and you go to your third string quarterback, you fall off a cliff. That's true of almost every football team since football was invented. If USC was going to be relying on Mo Hassan to win football games for it this year, we're already in a world of hurt. I don't want to take anything away from the kid I know he has a nice podcast. He seems like a really bright kid, and he, and he went to Vanderbilt before USC, so he probably is. Um, but you're talking about a guy who didn't start at Vanderbilt, who came here as a walk-on. It's not like Caleb Williams went down with an injury. If that happened, then we'd all be in mourning. It's not what happened. In spring ball, they're going to have a current walk-on rather than a former walk-on taking however many steps they have to take after Caleb Williams and Miller Moss have gotten the number of reps they need to get to get ready. Caleb Williams ain't going to throw any more footballs than he was before, before Mo went down. They will throw exactly the number that Lincoln Riley thinks he needs. And some other walk-on will take additional snaps. Whatever. I feel terrible for him. This is the second year in a row that he's, been, that, that he's suffered a significant injury. And, that, and that, is, that is not fun. So I feel terrible for him. But if you're talking about this as something that's going to have a dramatic impact on the USC football program, it's not. It's just not. I wish the best for him. It's not going to affect the season. All right. Uh, My
1: comment on it, very simple. I think that it's not going to affect spring ball whatsoever. I think that, uh, you know, as uh, I think Mark said, there'll be caution tape around both uh, he and Miller Moss. Uh, it'll be good for some of the walk-ons that are there. I mean, really, for spring ball, this spring ball especially, it's about making sure all the other positions understand what they're supposed to be doing. It's more of a teaching session. At the end for the spring game, nobody's going to touch Caleb Williams. Nobody's going to touch Miller Moss. The big question is, what type of quarterback will come out of the portal that is willing to be a third stringer or believe the best I could do is maybe – beat out miller moss which isn't likely but i say there's got to be some guy out there that wants to get his master's degree and said hey it'd be great going to sc he has a little bit of experience and uh is willing to uh you know be a part of uh, a new culture so we'll we'll see how it all plays out but i think in the short term it's uh, not gonna chris so you i can see you're leaning back jt daniels
3: you think jt daniels will come back and uh, back everybody up I mean, he hasn't been able to start anywhere else. Maybe he's going to jump right in and uh, and and be a backup at USC again. I oh no, he that. started. He started. He's just started for Clay Elton. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, until uh, yeah.
0: Could yeah. you imagine if he stayed in Georgia at Southern? Wow, I, I I'm not hearing any other landing spots right now. It's interesting.
3: Well, look. Let's 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 be honest. The guy that he was supposed to beat out at Georgia played pretty well, but but he had an unbelievable collection of talent around it. Stetson Williams or Stetson Bennett?
1: Stetson Bennett.
3: Stetson Bennett's not going to be a high draft choice. Stetson, Stetson Bennett is, is, is physically is pretty average, and he couldn't beat him out. That says something. So I think that's our guy. I think JT Daniels is going to come back so he can be the emergency quarterback. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> He can maybe he can wear that uh, wear that championship belt that uh, Graham Harrell used to have him walking around in. That'd be awesome.
1: And you know we're missing a very important point. I believe he still has that USC tattoo on his leg. Well, there you go. What a, what, a, what a beautiful ending that would be that he the, the tattoo has come full cycle. That would be that would be very touching. And I'll pass out the Kleenex on that one. We know he's not going to LSU. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, no, but Jaden Daniels is. For those of you that didn't hear that news, uh, Jaden Daniels from. ASU has decided he's transferring over there with Brian Kelly at LSU. Uh, That'll be an interesting situation. But I'll tell you what's interesting, going to the second quarter, because this is interesting. Uh, Panel, we start the second quarter with this. Last week, an email went out to parents of USC football players advising them that spring ball would be closed to them, to the players' uh, parents. The action, according to an email obtained by we are SC, says the decision to ban parents was a team vote. If parents are banned from practice, with the exception of the annual spring public uh, game at the end of spring practice, it seems only a matter of time that announcement will be made regarding the same banishment for the general public. So we haven't heard anything yet about the media, but I got a feeling something is going to be going down there too. But the question for uh, our, our distinguished panel is, was this a good idea to close spring practices of the parents of players and most likely the general public? Chris, is it a good idea?
3: Lincoln Riley has one job, and that's to win football games. There were there were parents that attended a lot of practices during, uh, during Clay Helton's tenure. Didn't do us a whole lot of good. I mean... I'm sure if I were a parent, I'd want to have the, the ability to go see my, my son practice. I don't, care. And I don't care. And I don't care whether the media gets in. I mean, Culkin's been going to USC practices for years. It wasn't helping us any. You didn't contribute at all, Culkin. We were still losing every week.
0: You're right. You didn't help us. Sorry. But most
3: programs are closed these days. Nick Saban's not letting people wander around. Ryan Day's not. Jim Harbaugh's not. Most of the coaches are. So what? His job is to win football games. If he wins football games, everybody's going to be happy. If he doesn't win football games, the fact that he lets parents watch crappy practices isn't going to make anybody happy. I don't care about this. It doesn't matter. And don't give me the Pete Carroll open things up because he did. But Pete Carroll was an aberration. And Pete Carroll was doing that before these things came around, right? Before the before the smartphones. So what? Doesn't matter. Win football games. If he thinks keeping the parents away will make it so it's easier for the players to pay attention and for him to chew people out, then great. Do it. Doesn't matter.
1: Well, let's uh, let's move on to uh, the great Mark Culkin. Now, Mark, uh, let's give Mark some credit here because I did in my uh, IMHO Sunday said without having seen the email, but having cross-checked with sources that this was going to happen with parents uh and mark was uh, able to get apparently an email of it and had a wonderful uh, column on it uh giving his opinion and i i love some of the uh uh comments that you uh i don't know if i would say was would you have nurse hatchet ratchet Cratchet from whatever that movie was
3: um bob Trachet? Uh,
1: yeah thank you very <laughs> much chris our movie aficionado when he's not talking sc football uh mark Tell us about it for those that are not familiar with the letter, but you've seen it, and what was your take, and what do you think about the whole idea? Well, as far as the email itself,
0: you know, the Trojan family, yada, 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 it's a narrative, and there's a lot to it, but it's it's funny when you see the email, and it's welcoming all the mid-season arrivals to the Trojan family. And then the narrative changes to, here's the spring schedule and you can't come. It's just, It was just really ironic wording it, just to see it. So, um, you know, it's from the, some of the parents that I've spoken with, um, some love it, some hate it, some don't care, like Chris. I'm probably in the don't care category. Um, however, I understand why Lincoln's doing it. Um, Yeah, it was a team vote. Maybe it was one of those encouraged team votes. Uh, And it's for one of the, you know, what Chris highlighted. Um, There's going to be some come to Jesus moments this spring. And it's gonna be a lot easier to do that without the parents there. And possibly even the media during parts of practice, I I think is gonna be the compromise. Um, because yeah I, I don't think Lincoln's into making friends he's there to win games and right now there's going to be some they're pushing the limits they're going to see who wants to be there who can handle it so I understand why they're going this route a lot of parents might not be able to
1: deal with uh, some of the culture change that's going to be happening now Kevin you grew up in your SC football career with John McKay. And I'm familiar with it because I would go down to practice as a 17-year-old and 16-year-old. I was telling my girlfriend, Sharon, the other day, I can't even believe the things that I did. I would drive from high school uh, when my season wasn't in play there. And I would literally, as stupid as this sounds, I would go and get on campus, walk over to Boulevard Field, and just watch them come in, come out of the locker room and (laughs) go into Bobart Field, and then it was closed and my claim to fame was John McKay must have really thought I was a nutcase because one day he just turned to me and said all right he let people he's letting a few people and he says and I looked at him and I didn't pay any attention he says okay you get in too I I looked around like who's he talking to and he said no you you I said me he says yeah come on in here you're all you're here all the time but the rub was they sat in wooden bleachers. It was also the baseball field. They practiced far away. You really couldn't see anything. And you you know—you were lucky if you didn't get a splinter uh, sitting on those bleachers. But those were closed practices. Now, Kevin, I'm gonna turn it to you. You were part of, I'm sure, closed practices as a player uh, at a university that was really in its prime. Uh, what are your thoughts? And even if you had a, uh, a son playing on the team, just how, how would you, how is, is it right, wrong, or does it indifferent?
2: Well, coach told me later on that the reason he let you in is he just got back from Julie's and he didn't know who the hell you were. So he let you in. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Um, look, spring ball. I'm, I'm in the, I don't give a crap category. Um, it's about making a better football team and head coaches. Um, been selected head coach makes the decisions uh it's just less for guys like us to talk about now oh well I, we'll, we'll get over that you know there'll be a certain amount of information that that will glean from it um as far as you know mom and dad to come into practice because it, it you know it's or others in the family um you know either you let them all or you let them uh, you let none and i think mark has a point i think there was a an encourage to build on this one and I think the players are rightly saying, you know, I think we're going to follow what uh, head coach uh, uh, is is thinking very clearly uh, at, with respect to it. Um, with with regards to people on the field, look, it's there, there's always going to be an argument, good or bad. Me, if I'm head coach, I close the field. I uh, maybe I I do something to help recruiting, which is why uh, it was shut down by the NC2A later on for Pete Carroll because there's too many people there that it was considered a recruiting inducement. I don't know if you guys know that one. Um, so until if and when that happens, then I'll take a different point of view that if it is a recruiting inducement and it's helpful in that regard, then oh, by, the, by all means, go ahead, do it until someone told you not to and can get and has the authority to do so. So other than that, look, it's about the guys on the field. It's about the coaching staff. And it's about getting things done. Them, you're installing a brand-new defense, you're installing a brand-new offense, and you're installing a bunch of coaches that have work collectively together as in this particular group. There's a lot of ground to cover, and they don't need distractions.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I think that I feel sad for the parents, and I'll tell you why. In this era that we are in, these parents have been following many of these kids from Pop Warner, have been attending practice. They live and die with these kids. Uh, many of them, and, and I've seen it for decades, uh, they just come in, they open up a, 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 a folding chair, they sit at the wall, they don't really say anything, they're just happy to be there, and it means a great deal to, to them. Uh, so I think that really, I feel bad for that, honestly. Uh, SC is coming off a horrendous period of public relations from the administration to almost everything. Uh, and I think that Lincoln Riley has every right in the world to do what he thinks is best for his program. However, we know, we know because of Pete Carroll, and yes, it's an anomaly, I agree, that it has nothing to do with whether you win or lose football games because Pete proved you could. I think Mark mentioned in his article, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, it was like a concert, going to a concert. People, and teams,
0: yeah, and his teams were no more disciplined or less disciplined than you know Nick Saban's team. I I, I put some numbers up
1: there. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it, it it really doesn't matter. You know, the old argument would be, well, if we have people in practice, you know, we won't be able to practice well. Or we, you know, no, 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 no. no. It's it's a comfort zone for the coach and his staff. And uh, but uh, I assume there'll be big attendance for the spring game because nobody else seen them. Uh, so good for that. And I believe along with the uh, Arledge that, come on in the end, who's going to remember who was able to come into spring ball in the middle of November, nobody's going to care. Okay. But we've had some PR issues lately. And this just seemed like, uh, one that, uh, you know, had to be addressed. I don't like the idea that the team voted on it. You know, I could just see some poor kid calling home and saying, I'm sorry, mom. Uh, you can't come in.
2: Uh, well, how Greg. I think that's actually really that of all the everything that's been discussed. I think the most interesting point is that there was a vote. A head coach allowed the players to choose, and you know, that's and I, pretty interesting. Well, it,
0: it was the team leaders were you know brought in to talk about this. Who are you know? Okay, uh, you yes know and whatever on and all that. All I'm just right. saying so, that yeah, we're, we're splitting hairs here. We're, we're splitting been, hairs. The team. It's been represented it's, right. been represented.
2: it's been represented. There was a team vote. It, it is a, the team. Okay. Made a decision. The team. Be, well, okay. It, it's I, it's pretty unusual for a head coach to let a decision be made by the team. Period.
0: not well, matter.
2: Well, so it I thought know, that's it, really unusual.
0: Actually, Kevin, and I know this is probably going to piss off Chris too. Clay Helton did that quite a bit. And you made my
2: point. Thank you for that one. You're exactly making my point. Okay. Loser coaches Ooh. might make loser decisions. Okay. He's full of them. Okay.
0: But we're all agreeing that Lincoln should be
2: making the, the, the final he, he chose. He chose to delegate that decision okay. to the vote of the team. And that's his call. I think it's, it's actually unusual.
1: Okay. Reminds me of the old joke. The mission is free, so pay at the door. Okay, it's pull up a chair and sit on the floor. Uh, but it's- was that, was that a joke?
3: Wait, cats, was that, a, do you have the whole joke or just the punchline? Cause that uh, wasn't funny.
1: Well, you know, Chris, uh, that you found it, found it wasn't funny was apparently a good sign from my perspective.
3: <laughs> oh because I because I uh, I don't recognize good jokes. Well, uh, we'll let look, we'll let people make their comments on YouTube. If you thought that was a funny joke by Cats, just weigh in. I, I can't wait to see what people You know,
1: say. you know what Chris is going to do. He's he just can't wait. Hey, He's I suggest we have I suggest we have a
2: vote by all those that view the huddle on whether that was a funny joke or not. Okay. Yeah. We'll go down be, the democratic. I can pack. take it. I can take it if I
1: get shut out 0 and 3. Uh I have no problem with that. Clay Helton, Clay Helton
3: probably thinks that's hilarious. That's probably. Oh,
1: Clay, Clay Helton will probably call me and offer me a job. That's how I look at it. He'll probably you know. say, you know what, you could fit right into Georgia Southern right now. I like, I like, I like your your bowed chin and hair on your back or whatever he talks about. I don't. Let's get out of this. Can we please? Yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's halftime. Now we get to we can go back to our little regular halftime uh entertainment so here it is guys it's halftime so here's our question what motivating entrance music or song would you like to hear being played as the trojans leave their coliseum locker room before kickoff come walking down the tunnel and run out onto the field before the start of the game an example would be at virginia tech when they leave the locker room they come all the way to the field while Metallica is playing Enter the Sandman. Kevin, give us a song that you think, or maybe you don't think they should have a song. I don't know. Uh, but what would you like to see played when the, to get the crowd fired up and so on and so forth? Anyone come to mind?
2: Yeah, this is in my wheelhouse. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I tell you what, I, I don't need a song. Just let that the horse run.
1: So you're, you're old school. You just say,
2: let's just no, get the here. horse, get the horse out there. I mean, the horse is cool. Traveler is always the kids love it. And it's a great site. You know, if you want to put some music to it, do something, you know, with the Fleetwood Mac, Tusk, I don't know, whatever.
1: All right. Now, uh, Chris, what kind of music do you think would be appropriate to fire everyone up?
3: I don't know what's going to fire everyone up, but I I think Virginia Tech is right to go with Metallica. I think they choose the wrong song. I think uh, "Seek and Destroy" is uh, is the right Metallica song for this. Uh, that's exactly what I want our defense to be doing: searching, seek and destroy. That's my that's my pick.
1: All right. So Chris says that'll get the crowd on his feet. People will be going nuts. Uh, Culkin- only
3: only old only only middle-aged white guys like me probably, but I would enjoy it. So I think we should do it. <laughs>
1: Okay, Mark, what do you think? Yeah,
0: you know, I can actually kind of get on board with Kevin's idea of having Traveler, you know, run out to midfield, maybe have, you know, Conquest blasting in the background if we're going to mix up some stuff in there. But, you know, if we're going to choose some entrance music, and I actually put some thought in this because I, I'd like to see the team kind of adapt to the theatrics of, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen from Saliva, welcome to the show so um if you get a chance you can do a youtube lookup, and the team is it's just the perfect entrance music you know in the past they had eminem i I think this would be a, a nice hard rock get the crowd going in the metallica wheelhouse type of environment
1: now do you guys think that it should be one song for the season or do you think they should have different songs yeah i'm a one i'm a one song
2: well i'm a one horse guy so i hope traveler makes it to the season but he's gonna be running a lot because we're gonna score a lot of points
0: hey if if
2: arkansas didn't kill him
0: nothing's gonna kill traveler
2: back to back years well i guess he i guess that, that's, that's, that's back actually no that's not a good one because this is traveler nine that was not traveler nine.
1: <laughs> survived <laughs> Uh, sure. in advance okay i think that uh actually i i thought about when it, when they first started doing it uh you know when i played ball uh and i played a predominantly basketball time uh we would come out to uh uh spencer davis keep on running uh, uh and we also had there was another one that uh that they did uh Which was high energy. Another one was uh, the Chambers brothers, uh, you know, doing their thing. Uh, So I think it's got to be high energy, whatever it is. I mean, I wasn't against Eminem uh, because I got used to it and there was kind of like an anticipation. Actually, I think of the Sandman is excellent. I was watching the YouTube the other day uh, thinking about this question and I said, wow, that, you know, it's a long walk, by the way, from the uh, Virginia Tech locker room to their field. So there's a real, a real build up there but uh,
3: hopefully they, they will from. pick
1: hopefully they will they will pick a song that will then everybody won't be going oh what did they pick that one for that that would have been the worst uh, that's the worst thing that could possibly happen you know they think, I think hey i rules. got
2: i got an idea let's have a vote
1: all right
3: <laughs> <laughs> let's let the parents choose since i can't <laughs> and you know what you know what? If I were the parents, you know what I'd choose, Greg? I would choose, I would choose a recording of you telling jokes. That's what I would choose.
1: You just can't let it go, can you?
2: <laughs>
3: look how happy
1: you... <laughs> you know, you don't see Arledge this happy most of the time. <laughs> look at that guy. He's, he's I mean, actually...
3: In fairness, most of the time you've known me, Clay Heldon has been the football coach, so you can understand why I've been <laughs> in such a mood.
1: You have been released. You are a yeah. new
3: man. I'm a new man. I, 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 I see... I see rainbows and sunshine. It's uh, it's amazing. Yes.
1: I'm the negative dude. Louis Armstrong, I'm negative. Are you going to start singing? And, uh, uh, what a wonderful world.
3: Well, let's win. Let's win some football games first. Yeah. But yes, <laughs> I will serenade. I will serenade our audience with that song if we uh, if we start to put together winning streak. We're
1: going to hold you to that one, buddy. That's fine. Do uh, you have a good voice? Uh,
3: I mean, I can sing okay.
1: Uh, oh, oh oh You know I when artists says okay. I can sing okay means. He really can sing well. well. Well, we'll we'll look forward to that. We'll, we'll uh, That'll be something. You can pick the song, by the way, that you want to sing for us. All right. Uh, I think that we have uh, pretty much figured that one out. Uh, so uh, before we move on to the third quarter, just a reminder, as we begin the second half that uh, you're watching or listening to RSC's Inside the Trojan Subtle. This week's R S C panelists are Mark Culkin, Chris Sarlidge, Kevin Bruce, and I'm Greg Katz. We encourage you to check out WeRSC.com, part of the on3 network and become a subscriber to the best coverage of USC football and Trojans athletics. And as a bonus uh, for the curious there is currently a free WeRSC 7-day pre trial of our exclusive on3 plus content which includes analysis, breaking stories, uh data for USC football and basketball and stories that pertain to the balance of USC athletics. So, we begin the second half, kickoff, and third quarter with this question. With all the spring attention being focused on the Trojans' concerns on offense and defense, are you concerned the special teams will be underemphasized in spring, especially with no specific special teams coach? Mark Culkin, are you concerned? No,
0: no. Um, you know, Alex Sadhouse is more than capable of handling kickoff duties, field goal duties, point after attempts. And if USC's in a position where they need to recover an onside kick, um, he's also more than capable. I'm able to say that because I went to practice and I saw him do it and I saw him do it very well. Now, does he have the leg um, of, of Parker Lewis? No, but he can consistently drive it through the back of the end zone and kickoffs. And you know what? If USC's kicking field goals of 45 plus yards, then we're probably questioning why is the offense stalling.
1: Okay. Are we ready to pass the baton? Kevin, uh, your thoughts on the special teams. Are we are we underplaying it? Is
2: it not important in the spring? What is it? Yeah, no, it's important. I'm not sure you spent a lot of spring uh, practice time on it. Frankly, I think you uh, the focus really needs to be uh, uh, installing the offense and defense, both of which are new. Um, and I think, you know, the more reps on that, the better off we are, you know, full stop. Um, with respect to how important special teams uh, uh, are, the, yeah, I don't know that I do wholeheartedly agree with. And it's more than just the kickers. It's the uh, coverage, both punt coverage and kickoff coverage. And the return game. So uh, those are, uh, you know, field uh, position changers. Those are game momentum changers. You know, we've had our share of those, usually in the wrong direction, regrettably. Um, and so I think when fall comes around, that's that's really the time to zero in on the uh, uh, on the uh, special teams. I will say this that it's actually a very good conditioning tool to use uh, for you know, for uh, uh, aerobic conditioning are the is kickoff coverage and having everybody cover you know get get your best 11 you, you know bang they go and then next you, you know next group goes next group goes next and you got a full uh a, a really good sprint uh situation so it's, it's a nice you know a tool in that regard frankly to use during spring for conditioning purposes
1: all right chris uh not only are your thoughts, but uh, what about not having a special teams coach? What do you think?
3: There are other programs that don't have special teams coaches, and they divide up the various special teams amongst the assistants. Um, I don't have any reason to believe that Oklahoma was losing a lot of football games because of bad special teams, but I didn't research it, so it's possible that uh, that, that happened and that they were you know, averaging 11 wins a year instead of 12 because bad special teams play. I suspect that's not true. Um, Lincoln Riley knows that special teams are important. And, and I'm sure they'll practice them adequately. What will really help the special teams is to have better football players on the field. Um, because w- whether you're talking about return guys or you're talking about coverage units, the more uh, the more athletes you have, the more football players you have, the better off you are. And on a team where you have a lot of depth where well, there are a lot of good football players in front of you, special teams, are your opportunity to go down and, and, and show what you can do, run down and make a big hit. So uh, I think that the, the number one thing that's going to help USC special teams is Lincoln Riley's recruiting, because once we have a, a large number of guys who are fast, who can hit, um, who can really play football, you're going to see huge improvement in the special teams.
0: You know, real real quick before Greg hits this point, Kevin, and I know the rules are way different when you were playing and, and probably a little bit different even when you were playing, uh, Chris. You know, the practices that I've gone through, been able to attend, there's not a lot of contact during special teams. I mean, there's a lot of sprinting downfield, but as far as, you know, making that big hit that you were alluding to, Chris, that's not happening during practice, at least, you know, today. Was it happening when you were practicing, Kevin, you, Chris?
2: Yeah, the ball was the same shape. Um, Our um, special teams, we never had full contact, ever.
3: Yeah, Same. You You don't do that.
2: That's crazy time.
3: Same. It's too dangerous. So nobody does that um and and, you know you you teach people to stay in their lanes and and the like on on kickoff unit you you make sure you're contained guys you're keeping contained but you're not going down and taking somebody's head off in practice
1: right
0: but there there, yeah there's you know very little wrapping up i just want to i guess that's for the audience more so is you know they think that you know there's no physicality the practices. well by rule and you guys are explaining why you're you got to save yourselves for the season
1: well, I, I'll tell you, I, uh, I am amused by this um, only because, you know, for a, for a while there, the big, the big savior of special teams was going to be John Baxter. He was the guru. We were sold. He was the best in the country. And, you know, they did some good things. They, did, they blocked some kicks. I'll give him credit there. They blocked some kicks. But overall, there seemed like someone uh, that gets paid that amount of money, you would expect more production. And I think Chris hits the nail on the head. I think you need better better players on special teams, and more importantly to me is that you have the right players receiving punts and returning kickoffs. And the thing that I that I that I I don't know it's just me, uh, I think of a guy like Vellis Jones. Now he goes to the uh, combine, and what did he run a four two three? And everyone's going, oh look at that, he ran a four two three. Well, was he effective as a kickoff returner for SC? To the point where you say if he touches the ball he's going to take it to the house. I never felt that way. Um, but I think if you get uh, the, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a guy like uh, Rayleigh Brown that when he comes in for modern day, uh, he's a freshman but you know he's electric. Uh, would you dare put a freshman, uh, he's not going to participate in spring ball by the way he's going to come in in the fall, but would you dare put him as a punt returner let's say, uh, who is Lincoln Riley going to have how what changes are going to be on the return game that fascinates me remember they also have to uh replace a punter and i don't think the punter that they think they're going to replace him with the kid from australia uh is going to be uh there in the spring i don't believe so mark do you know is he going to be there in the spring i don't believe atticus will be there no I, yeah and remember what atticus's last name is i don't know why i keep thinking Bertram? Bertram? yeah i don't know why i keep thinking atticus finch from uh to kill a mockingbird bird it's a really good movie. Well, you know, I taught it for about twenty five years, so I guess I'm stuck with the Finch. Anytime I see Atticus, but uh, no, I think it'll be something that uh, is not a priority per se in spring, but I think it should be a priority once the fall hits because you know you're you're really getting down to uh, the nitty gritty. So, with that in mind, let's move on. It's the fourth quarter now. This I learned thanks to uh, Chris how to light the uh, the torch now okay. oh, look at that you can see it i know because i'm, I'm giving you the credit dude All you right. know
3: what I, I don't really i don't really want the credit for this thing that
1: you do. <laughs> oh no you know i thought about this and since you <laughs> told me you have such a wonderful singing voice i thought maybe you could sing uh the song is always played in the Colosseum when they light the torch you remember that william tells overture but it has no words uh can you actually uh do it without the words is that something that like- you're killing
3: you're killing our episode right now greg i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna hum something for you i'm not gonna talk about that candle anymore i'm just gonna wait until the fourth quarter and answer a question that's what i'm gonna do
1: you know what's sad It's the people that are on the podcast they can't see it so they can it does look like the coliseum torch at some level would you agree with that well, I mean,
3: it, they, they both have. If you agree
1: with that or not? They,
3: no, I don't agree. Yes with, but they or both no? Have, they both have fire. That's the only thing that's <laughs> similar. I look. I, I like that we're still doing this because it's so odd. But but no, it doesn't look <laughs> like the torch. Nobody's nobody's saying, well, wow, how did cats go out and find a candle that looks just like the Colosseum torch?" Nobody's saying that.
1: You know, I personally, I went through all of Google. To try to find out whether they sell a peristyle type of uh, coliseum uh, background, like you know, you, some of these souvenirs you can get at farmers market or on Hollywood Boulevard. And I said, you know, I should try to, I should create that. Wouldn't Be that an
3: entrepreneur, entrepreneur Greg. Greg you should do it. Greg,
0: buy a menorah and start paper macheing it into a peristyle.
1: Mark, Mark, must it always get back to Hanukkah?
0: Really? I'm just giving you a suggestion. The
1: next thing you're telling me is who's got the better corned beef sandwich. Canners or deli. Moving on. Moving on. All right. So let's get to the fourth quarter question here, guys. Um, all right. If you could sit down for dinner with one y- former USC football player or coach that is no longer living, who would it be and why? Chris Arledge, who would it be and why?
3: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring the mood down a little bit with this one, but this is, this is my honest answer. Uh, it would be Junior Seau. And because I want to understand, uh, I want to understand what happened and, and how the, who knows how many concussions Junior Seau had over the years, dozens at least. But I want to understand what happened. You're talking about a guy that was not only a legendary football player, um, one of the best ever, but was also, uh, he was beloved. I mean, this is a guy who, who everybody loved and uh, he had an entire city. Um, that, um, uh, that loved the guy, and by all accounts, uh, he changed dramatically personality-wise over the years. I would like to understand. I mean, when, when, the, when the CTE stuff uh, first started coming out some years ago, uh, and we started to see just how prevalent it was, and, and the impact it was having on people, uh, it it started to change how people see this game that we love, and I still love football. I still love the hitting of, uh, of football. That's what I like most about it. Um, but um, but I'd like to talk to him and understand the changes and how it made him feel and 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 what came about because um, I'm just intensely curious about um, about that tragedy and so many others like it. You, you probably remember there was that article not too long ago about. Uh, about a number of his other teammates uh, on the those USC teams in the late 80s who, who have also died early. So it's a tragedy and, um, and it's something I'd like to understand better.
1: Okay, Mark, uh, who would you like to sit down and have dinner with and chew the fat?
0: Before I lighten the load a little bit, um, and, and Chris, you touched on it in your thing. Kevin Ellison, I think along the same lines, Um, You know, he was laying some big hits and he he left way before his time was was ready. So but um, on a lighter note, uh, you know, John McKay once said he was asked, you know, why did he give Ricky Bell the football 52 times or whatever? And he answered, you know, the ball wasn't that heavy. I want to ask Ricky, how heavy was the ball after he carried the ball that many times in a game? because I have a feeling that his answer probably would have been a little different um, just to kind of get the insight. And it's along the same lines of what Chris was talking about. He took a lot of shots, but he was such a great runner. So powerful. And he was the reason he was probably the first player that really made me go, wow, I want to be a Trojan fan. He, He just, I loved watching him carry the ball.
1: Okay, so you're Ricky Bell. I'm Ricky Bell all the way. Which is a great transition to Kevin because Kevin, I think, played with Ricky Bell. Uh, am I right, Kevin?
2: Yeah, he started off as a uh, inside linebacker, moved outside linebacker, moved fullback, and then the tailback. Yeah.
3: And, it could have been you, Kevin. Can you imagine if McKay would have moved you to uh, tailback? The whole Yeah.
2: I, I'd still be on the special teams. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We so all Kevin, have our Kevin, hey. all, we all have our role to play. and That was not mine, but it was Ricky's. And oh, by the way, the re- reason he was uh, moved to tailback initially was because we ran out of tailbacks, so they moved the fullback to tailback. True wow. story. Crazy. Yeah, and by the way, Ricky's answer would be, "Give me the ball." He still deserved the Heisman. On the other hand, too, so. he did. I agree. Anyway, um, so Greg, your the the question is who you know who to have dinner with and and why I think. You know, Chris has really good points about the uh, CTE. Uh, something that um, you know, I too am uh, most interested in, and regrettably, diagnostically, it's uh, it's unknowable until uh, it's too late. So, um, with that, uh, to, uh, as a, a, a piece of uh, data. I'm going to go in the way back machine. I want to talk to Howard Jones. I want to talk to the guy that won the first national championship, the first guy to beat Notre Dame in South Bend, the first guy to put out a 400 to 500,000-person parade in Los Angeles. I'm not sure it's ever happened since, frankly. Maybe one of the Dodger teams. I can't remember. Maybe so. Um, I'd love to hear about what he thought it took to win championships. And I think that'd be fascinating and contrast that to what we've heard from other uh, head coaches that uh, we esteem as championship head football coaches at USC. I think it'd be fascinating um, corollaries there.
1: Okay. Well, I'll tell you, I would like to sit down and talk with John McKay and my reason for talking with John McKay, aside from saying, why did you let me in when I was 17 years old to watch your practice but I would like to have him tell me what he has been thinking about watching USC from Cardinal and Gold Heaven about what he's seen transpire this last 10 years and what he thought should have been changed, what should have been changed, who should have been changed, uh, because I think he definitely would have an opinion on it and he would not restrict himself from giving that opinion. Uh, I think therapeutically for me, I think I would feel good if he agreed with a lot of what I was thinking and writing about at the time, uh, because coming from him, it would be very important because uh, you know, I agree with Kevin as far as the contribution that Howard Jones made, but then there was that gap. And then finally uh, McKay came and he really propelled to where we are in terms of modern day football. So yes, I'd like to hear what John McKay thinks of Clay Helton and what he thought. Uh, I, I think I know, but, you know, you know, you always want to hear it from the person. So it was up to me. I'd sit down and uh, break bread with John McKay. So with that in mind, let's go to overtime. And uh, overtime is what we say for our viewers and listeners. Uh, uh, if you'd like to submit a question that we can answer here on Inside the Trojan Settle, just go to either the Gary P. or We members message boards. From there you'll see the topic thread regarding questions are inside the Trojan Subtle. So let's go to today's questions. It's kind of a free-for-all format. I don't feel like I have to pick on somebody to, to start us off. So whoever thinks they've got an answer, go ahead and we can, you know, talk about it together. So here's the first question from SoCal N-A-T-I-V in Bixby Knowles, Long Beach, California. Why isn't USC doing what lawmakers are doing for Ohio State to reinstate their wins, take it away? by NCA sanctions. Ohio State cites the NIL changes as part of their case. Can USC file, and Chris, you can help me with this, ambiscus brief to to join Ohio State. It's time to fight back and reclaim everything taken in what was a brutal takedown of SC football. Who wants to tackle that one?
0: What does amicus mean, Chris?
3: Amicus Curia brief is a friend of the court brief. It's when you join in uh, to a matter that you're not a party to because you want the court to understand your perspective on it. Uh, it, it, Look, is the question question why do California lawmakers not do something about USC's loss? Because if that's a question, I guess my answer is, why would we want California lawmakers to do anything? Thank you. Uh, the, I, what we should do is padlock the door in the Capitol in Sacramento and keep it that way for most of the year. That's what we should be doing. So if the question is, do we want them to, uh, to get involved in, uh, in, in pushing USC's case, uh, probably not. Look, this is something we should have done years ago. And, and the USC administration failed us miserably. Pat Hayden failed, um, uh, the former president failed, the board of trustees failed, they failed. They should have dealt with the NCA before, they didn't want to. I'm not sure we can do much about it now. I do think, though, that we should stop pretending that uh, Reggie's Heisman wasn't won, and we should stop pretending that those games weren't won because they were. And 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 by the way, Cats, you're you're an offender on of this because get back to me.
1: everybody in the world knew he's going to circle back to me, aren't you? So. Let it all out. Go ahead and attack me. I don't ahead. need
3: to let it all out. I'm just saying, I, when, when I read your articles and you're and you're using those false numbers because of the Paul D. Committee, then uh, it makes me unhappy. I'll I'll I'll, say, I uh,
0: I'll save you, Greg. Look, the last time USC kind of tried to coexist with Ohio State on one of these type of things, Maurice Clarett and Mike Williams were trying to get into the NFL draft early. It didn't work out well. So, if it's an Ohio State idea, let's probably do the opposite and just work from there.
2: Why don't we schedule Ohio State and just beat them? How about that? Screw all this other crap.
0: There you go. Well,
3: well I'm not, not in favor of that.
2: Yeah, just, well, not, just put the wins and put the aware. Heisman trophy back. Who cares?
0: Just put the trophy back in Heritage Hall and move forward. They already do it subtly anyways. I mean, when the recruits are on campus, they've got the banners and the backdrops with Reggie's, Reggie Bush's number associated with all the other Heisman winners.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Reggie Bush is probably the Heisman Trophy winner that they're going to recognize. I mean, all due respect to liner. It it's, it's Reggie Bush and Matt liner in that order. So, Hey, look, if it helps us in recruiting, then I'm okay with that part of it. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that I have a different point of view.
1: Sure. Understood. All right. I will just wrap this question up by saying, I still wouldn't give him his Heisman Trophy back <laughs> in spite of what Arledge thinks. Uh, I say the guy, if it was high school ball, he, he would have got everybody ineligible. He shouldn't have been on the field in the first place. I'm not going to take it any further than that. Anything I have to add, I won't waste anybody's time. I'll put it in writing, but it was a nice try, Chris. As much as I respect your legal uh, perspective on things, so
3: it wasn't really a legal point of view. I, I and by the way, I don't give legal advice on this program, so don't don't do what I tell you to do, and then sue me for malpractice. <laughs>
1: well, we know that you won't. We won't do it because you'll charge us two hundred or six hundred dollars an hour. We well, know he's
2: at least. At least Probably Probably more than that,
3: but <laughs> oh you you guys don't know what you're
2: saying on that <laughs> one. That,
3: brother Chris, that's just like you
2: know for picking up the phone. Jeez, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to
1: question number two from Gold Trojan. One, how is Brandon Peely's recovery going? And number two, Max Gibbs. Is he, should he play offense or defense? How is his conditioning looking? Okay. Who wants to jump
2: into this one first? Well, I got a point of view. I have no idea what their conditioning is. Um, Peely's got obviously, uh, pardon the pun, a leg up because just because of sheer time, but he's got uh, tremendous injury to recover from very difficult for, for big men to recover on the Achilles front. Um, Hope he does. Uh, we need him uh, to have uh, be able to play uh, a gap and asking him to do more than covering the a gaps is, is a bit much. So we'll just see how that fits. Uh, um, Maximus, uh, you know, I thought really did some, some developmental work on defense and actually, you know, did, made a few plays, did some things that was uh, appropriate. I got a hard time seeing that big fellow um, making a, a, an impact on the offensive line uh it's just not just, the, the foot speed isn't there believe it or not and certainly the the ability to you know sustain a 12 15 play well, we don't do 15 play marches but you know 12 play uh you know march down the field i i just i don't i can't see it for anything
1: and just just for listeners who aren't familiar with uh, brandon feely defensive lineman uh, probably, many of you would consider a nose, nose guard, nose tackle, head up, maybe on the center. Just for those who don't know who Brandon is, uh, Chris, you want to add something?
3: No, look, no, Pe- Peely does, ha- does have some athleticism, as we all know. Whether or not he's going to to come back and play well this year is anybody's guess. Uh, Maximus, Maximus needs a body transformation. I mean, it's happened before. Kenichi Desi uh, did it. He, he he lost a ton of weight and became. Not only productive but fantastic. I don't know that I don't know that Maximus has that that level of talent, but um, but he needs to lose a lot of weight. If he loses a lot of weight, we can see whether the kid can play. If he doesn't lose a lot of weight, then we're never going to know. Uh,
0: allow Mister Negativity here to to chime in. Um, so Brandon Peely uh, at the end of last year was getting back out onto you know what we call rehab island, getting some workouts in during uh, fall practices. Uh, so I'm going to take an assumption that um, he's out there during winter conditioning with the team right now. In fact, I know he is. And spring camp, he should be close to 100%. Now, whether he's in football shape, that what Kevin was alluding to, we'll find out soon enough. Um, as far as Maximus, he is going to be on the offensive line this year. Uh, that, that's that been decided. <laughs> And he has already gone through that uh, Kenichi Udeze body transformation. Uh, By certain reports, he's down to 350 in that range, which is that around a 45 to 50 pound weight loss from what we saw last year. So if that helps him with his foot speed, um, great. I don't think anybody's looking for him to make an impact this year. There's enough returning talent experience in front of him uh, that they don't need him to you know, be the first string. Can he crack the two deep is where he should be looking?
1: Well, I think uh, Gibbs is interesting. You know, SC's had offensive guards that were two, uh, 350. John Drake was one of them. Deuce Latoui, he was another one. Okay, so it's not out of the realm that he's too big in terms of 350. It really is the, the, the scheme that they run, what he's going to do. I mean, right. do we expect he's going to pull out and and, and and kick out the, you know, the the backside defensive end. I mean, you know, is he able to do that? But it, it, to me, that's what spring ball is going to be all about seeing what those guys are doing. And I, I do want to make this point, since we touched on spring ball just slightly, Uh, I have purposely kept us from getting into too much of spring ball because spring ball has been held back for so long that I wanted to get into the the specific topics of uh, positioning and competition Uh, you know, a week before spring ball uh, no more than it's, you know, You know, right now you could say we would have been in spring ball, maybe with the old regime, but I didn't want to uh, burn that up because it's a great topic and and I know everybody's got an opinion on it. Um, So, uh, you know, Peely, I think is intriguing if he's healthy, he knows that if he wants to play in the NFL, this is it for him. He's got to do something. All right. Speaking of something, and since we talked about linemen, question three from Big Daddy is what is the best way to start an nil gofundme for josh connerly only half kidding now josh Connolly, of course is the great recruit from rainer beach in seattle washington that sc is going to host at the end of march who has not signed a letter of intent yet for the class of uh, uh 2022 so uh uh what what is your thoughts on uh Well, I I think it's important. Uh, I'm going to actually I'm going to start with Chris on this because I want to hear his opinion. How do you take the NIL and make it appealing for alignment? Let's just use Josh Connelly. What can you do when you look at Caleb Williams? What what would be a fair market value?
3: Well, that's the wrong question, right? Because the way NIL is being used by certain universities like the University of Texas, BYU, it's not about fair market value. I mean, that, that's what's so strange about it is it, it's one thing if what NIL is about is giving guys who, who actually have some value in the marketplace the ability to, to capitalize on that. But, um, but Texas has a bunch of offensive linemen that nobody's heard of, many of whom aren't even going to play, that are making money. How did they do it? I think what they did is they, they form a corporation. They make that corporation a nonprofit that's promoting something not Texas football, even though that's really what it's promoting. And then they sign a bunch of guys to then promote that that organization. And the organization is funded primarily by wealthy donors putting a bunch of money into it. I mean, that can be done easily enough. Uh, And if if that sort of thing is going to fly, then everybody's going to have to start doing it in order to compete. I don't know Josh Connolly. I don't know to what extent his focus is in on NIL money rather than other things, rather than staying uh, closer to home so that his family can see him playing more, uh, playing for the right offensive line coach, getting the right uh, type of education. I don't know what the kid wants, but um, but I know what we want. We want, uh, we want a big uh, left tackle who's going to start for three years and then go to the NFL as a first round pick. And and by all indications, that's the kind of guy he is. So I'd be thrilled to get him.
1: Anybody else have any comment on this particular question?
2: That's just a, to Chris's point, NIL is a recruiting and retention, both, tool. And we've, you know, the university has to be smart about it. Oh, uh, well, actually, players have to be smart about it. university doesn't have to be smart about it. Um, but it's, it's important because, um, uh, for many, uh, both, uh, you know, potential football stars, as well as those that, that to Chris's point are, are part of a, uh, a, uh, a group. Um, it's a, uh, a way to monetize, you know, uh, their, their time, uh, with the team. I, I honestly, um, making it a retention tool I think is important as a recruiting tool you're gonna need both pieces
3: yeah and you know in the past look the guys who are first round talents are going to leave early almost always and they should I don't have a problem with that in the past it's it's those guys who were going to be very late uh picks or maybe free agent guys who would leave school a year early to go to the NFL because their families needed money. Those are the guys that, that you can keep around for an extra year now. And, uh, and, and it really, it's not up to the school to do that because I don't think the school is really allowed to, uh, to engage <laughs> these NIL deals. Um, but, um, but I think it's certainly possible for Lincoln Riley and others to talk to people who have a lot of money. None of us people have real money, and and tell them, listen, we need to be able to hold on to these guys that uh, that are starters on our football team, and and keep them from leaving a year early when it's not in their interest to leave a year early, and it's certainly not in ours. Uh, and we need to find a way to do that. I suspect, and I suspect Lincoln Riley has thought about that, and and that USC is going to be able to pull that off, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, you know, it for me. It- you either get some inducement as a recruit right up in front, or you do the uh, Travis Dye route and you take advantage of NIL at the back end of your college career. So the transfer portal is going to add a whole nother dynamic to this. So who knows? Yeah, there's just, it's such an uncharted territory right now. So for that question, even the folks who are in charge of NIL at USC, every time you ask them a question, it's like, well, let me look into that, and I'll get back to you. They don't know. It's a it's nobody knows.
3: Look, not only does nobody know the rules, but nobody knows if there's going to be anybody there to enforce the rules. Correct. I think as soon as the NCA comes down on somebody and that's challenged in court, the NCA is going to be effectively disbanded. If you read that, if you read that recent uh, uh, Supreme Court case uh, that was unanimous against the NCA, and there was a brutal concurrence talking about how the NCA is an unlawful. Uh, collusive entity. It's anti-competitive. And, and I don't think the NCA can survive a challenge. So you, without having, without having <laughs> clear rules or anybody who can enforce them, it's going to be very difficult for anybody to know what you can do. And I, I think what the answer is, uh, as schools like Texas and BYU, and maybe, maybe Texas A&M have been figuring out, the answer is do whatever you can right now until somebody stops you. I think that's probably the right answer, whether you like it or
2: not. Yeah, I just don't step over the wrong line, and we don't know what the lines are.
3: So you got to get lucky, and there it is, and you're
2: right. And right now, write checks, keep player or get player. Simple.
1: Uh, I'll leave this question with this. I think that schools like Texas and Alabama and some of the others for, for linemen, they will force USC to compete. And USC will see what they're doing, and they're going to have to match it. Uh, how they match it, I don't know. And, I, you know, it's like you said, there's no rules in place, no guardrails, you know, until somebody says you don't do that. But SC is going to have for like a, like a guy like uh, Connerly and seeing who he's still got going. You know, when SC has to compete against Oregon, what is Oregon telling him? Uh, so it's going to be a bidding process, whether I like it or not but they're going to set the mark. And maybe not SC is going to set the mark when it comes to linemen, but SC is going to catch on real quick about what they should do. All right. Question four from Trojan Senji and Western Pacific ocean. What do you think uh, the staff will do with our O-line next year? I assume that means after next year is over Four, if not all starters will be gone next year. Even if we get Josh Connerly uh, is still a huge hole in my opinion. And how many O linemen do we sign in the class of 2023, including transfers? Okay. Who's got their hand up first?
3: Transfer portal is what they're going to do. Yes. I mean, uh, Josh Connolly may be able to come in and start as a true freshman. Some guys can. Winston Justice did, and, um, and, and uh, um, Tyron Smith. Tyler Smith did. I mean, it happens, but you're not going to find four guys who can do that. And so, what's going to happen is you're going to sign as many high school guys as you can, and then you're going to go out and and pull in two or three guys from the transfer portal. And Lincoln Riley has all year to make that happen. So, you can be sure that in 2023, USC will have some starters that were starters on other football, on other offensive lines the year before.
0: Well, there's that. And, you know, USC didn't invest in, you know, Josh Henson to kind of develop. Some of the youth that they already have in the trenches, um, you, so hopefully they can get maybe two or three out of the the, the 2020 class, um, and and get those guys ready to play. I mean, you're talking about you know having Jonah Monheim around, uh, potentially having Cortland Ford around, who now you know everyone wanted a coaching upgrade. Who I thought Clay McGuire did a fantastic job last year. Well, they went out and got a true SEC guy. Um, but let's see what how much coaching is really involved now. And, and then, you know, like you said, there's always a transfer portal. Um,
1: I would chime in by saying, if SC can get uh, Connolly, if USC gets Francis uh, Maui Goa from IMG Academy the following year, this is really critical to me uh, because this has momentum. This is two five-star guys that we haven't seen two five-star guys and, you know, together back to back in, in quite some time. If they can get that momentum going, that they can show other five and four-star linemen uh, immediately for the class of 2022, 2023, uh, I think they're well on their way to, to restocking the SC type of offlines that we all we all expect. But it's critical if they can get Connolly. It'd be a setback if they don't get him. Uh, I, I really feel good about Maui Goa. Uh, He's got, there's a lot of reasons why he wants to come to SC. Uh, I know that the uh, on three uh, predictor has got him heavily favored for USC. I know that, uh, you know, Connolly is a slight favorite and the uh, on three predictor of where he's going to go. So if we can get that type of momentum going uh, and add a few transfers along the way, I think SC will be in good shape. I think scheme is going to have to do with it. Chris, you want to add something? Yeah, I mean, look, don't,
3: don't forget, it's going to be much easier to recruit offensive linemen when USC is actually running uh, something other than the Mickey Mouse offense they've been running the last few years. Why would you want to come play offensive line at a school that has four plays, 3.8 3. 3. of those four uh, passing plays, and you never get to come off the ball and hit somebody um, I mean, why, why would you want to play offensive line there? I mean, for all this time, we've been focused on how the offensive line classes have been, have been lousy. And I'm thinking, of course, why would you want to play offensive line for Graham Harrell and Clay Hill? Those guys are terrible. That offense is terrible. It's a joke. Now that, now that you have a guy who is legitimately one of the best uh, offensive minds in football, whose teams do run the ball, you have a, you have a legitimate offensive line coach who's been good everywhere he's been. Uh, I think it's going to be much easier to bring in the big guys.
0: Yeah, and just to to that point, I won't go into the numbers, but um, a lot of plays and a lot of different blocking schemes have already been installed uh, that they'll be ready to use when spring camp opens. And you're going to see some maybe interesting jumbo packages in goal line situations um, when you get to see them. Uh, some players may be playing in different positions that you're not accustomed to. So they're already doing some experimentation. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, well, with, regrettably, a lot of teams use jumbo packages in the goal line. It was just us. Uh, and uh, Parrish thought that we should put somebody under center. And I think we'll see that too. All
1: right. Well, this, this takes us. Uh, Mark, did you want to add something there? No no, 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 no,
0: no, no, no. I think we're all in agreement.
1: All right. Final question kind of takes its full cycle here, which is interesting. Uh, It's from uh, SC The One. SC The One asks Does it bother the panel as much as it bothers me that Lincoln Riley's administration appears to be so guarded with information, announcements about the support staff, the spring practice, and the spring game dates to access at practices, et cetera? Maybe we don't get to see behind the curtain for how things will be run and should just accept the results which are sure to be an improvement. I hope that the media will still be able to get uh, practice updates, at least through a spokesperson, if they're not allowed to witness for themselves. That seemed to be the case at OU, meaning Oklahoma. So I can understand that that is what they are used to. But this is LA, and not all the best practices were birthed in Norman, Oklahoma. There are some things that uh, were done here that should be taken under consideration and blended into the new SC culture. All right jump into that one it's our final question
0: yeah you know we touched on it at the top of the show obviously with spring camp so look i I think the compromise is this is la it's different than norman um the media hopefully will get access to the beginning of practice they'll kick us out greg you know the routine they kick us out and then they come back in do your interviews if that's the access we get i'm cool with that it's better than nothing um, yeah, and again, it's to the point that Los Angeles is a different marketplace. You have to have more information available. More—I hate to use the word transparency—but allow the media to see um, because there's there's other alternatives. The fans will choose to go somewhere else. There are we have a, a short attention span out here. In Norman, Oklahoma, they've got football and gold being sold in Ardmore, so that's it. Hey, don't knock it. You get some, you can get some good. I'm thinking about it, man. I'm thinking about heading out there.
3: Look, it would I like to get more information rather than less? I would. It doesn't matter. Lincoln Riley has to win a lot of football games. And if he does that, everybody's going to be happy, including, including our, uh, our, WRSC reader who asked the question. That's, that's what it amounts to. He has to win football games. And he's going to get a a pretty long leash to do whatever it is he thinks he needs to do in order to win those games, as he should. You bring a guy over, you pay him $12 million a year and you give him a private jet, if the rumors are to be believed, then that guy knows he has to produce. And if he's winning 11, 12 games a year, I don't care whether Culkin gets to see the practices or not. I'd like to read a report if I can, but if I can't, I don't care. I want to see a product on Saturdays that isn't embarrassing. And it's been a long time since we've been able to see a product on Saturdays. That isn't embarrassing. That's all I really care about. I think that's all most USC fans care about. And I don't care how many, I don't care how, how much access you give during practices. If USC wins seven games, nobody cares. And I don't care how little access you give during practice. If USC wins 12 games, a lot of people are going to care. That's the only
2: thing that matters. Yeah. And I'd point out, and I, I fully agree. Look, it's about winning football games. However you get there, you get there. Uh, Head coaches, uh, Riley, and there it is. So, you know, get over it. Uh, However, uh, he's got to win football games. He knows it. Not a surprise. So uh, um, off to the races uh, in that regard. The other thing too I'd point out is is while we all would like to, to know more, I'm not sure the information that we're going to extract from watching various components of of the uh, practice uh, during during the week really gives us a lot of uh, gives us a lot does not give us a lot of information about what we're going to see on Saturday. Right? Matter of fact, I'd tell you that it's it is almost impossible to predict what Saturday is going to bring with two evenly matched teams by watching practice during the week. Some of the best practices in the world but end
3: up with some of the worst outcomes on Saturday
2: than you could imagine at USC.
3: Yeah. And the players have no idea. I'll tell you right now, the players could, the players are always going to be optimistic about how they and their buddies are going to perform. It doesn't matter what they think. I, I remember, I remember uh, in college thinking, Man, I really like the way this defense is coming together. I think we're going to be. I think there's going to be a big improvement this year. And then we went out and gave up 40 in the first half of the opener. The players don't know. Nobody knows. We'll know. We'll know. We'll know when we get to September, October.
0: I think the dynamic to watch for is if it goes from tight ship to oh, we're winning. Let let's let's invite the media in and and, and relish in our in our victories now. To all of a sudden to that point of do they go from one extreme. To, all right hey come on in and let's talk about it well, I, we think can they go- be, I think they should we, say consistent either we can cover that one on a later
2: broadcast right, right. but but you know what i would like to uh add that problem where you know we won a lot of football games and there's some discussion about you know how we treat the media which is really what this question is all about this is about how the media gets treated it's not about how mom and dad get treated because that was a team vote team doesn't vote on the media correct
1: well, I'm going to take a different perspective than uh, my esteemed colleagues. You know, I coached, and I write, and I've been a fan. So when I write, I always say, what would a fan want to know? If Because I represent the, the people that, that read about SC. When I coach, I like to see for myself, not this. I mean, I can see who's a good coach and who's not. Really, coaching is about teaching. So I go, who's a good teacher? Who explains it to the players? Not only do they know what they're doing, but they're motivated to do it. And when people say to me, if I'm on a radio show, and they say, well, what's wrong with the SC offensive line? Uh, the simple answer is, well, you saw in games, you know, they don't block, they don't blow anybody off. But why? You know, sometimes I, I will tell this to the fans. I don't think there's any question. I, I bet you 80% of what I know, I don't write about. Okay. Otherwise, I won't be able to, to, to see. But when something happens, and I have to write a story about, well, let's just say uh, Neil Calloway gets fired as offensive line coach. Why did he get fired? Was it just because the offensive line didn't do well? Well, when I write a story, that's when I take that other 80%, and I, I open it up to say he was very abusive. He was uh, was very... Difficult, like he, his mind really wasn't into it. Uh, all the intangibles that I think make a good coach. Plus, you know, everybody sits and stands and they watch a guy. And they go, "Well, how come he's not playing?" Well, how come he's not playing? He should be playing. Well, when you watch a guy's attitude in practice, you could see who's slacking off. That's I mean, true. let's face it. Uh, these are all the things that that when I see, even if I'm not writing about it, and I think Mark, uh, yeah, you know, will probably attest to it. There are so many things that you get. And I hate to say it because I know the administration of USC watches our show. Look it, parents talk to us. They give us information. Mark just didn't get that email sent to him directly. Somebody gave him that information, which I totally greatly appreciate so that we can be more accurate. But there's so many things that happen when you watch practice even injuries, even if, even if we can't report it, you know, uh, like, like Mark said, you know, rehab Island, who's up? who didn't practice during the week? Why is he dropping balls in a game? Well, maybe he didn't practice during the week. And that's the stuff that you add when you're analyzing a game and you're taking a look at it. So the idea is being at practice tells you so much. And besides that you see what recruits are there. You see what the attitudes are there even things i know mark likes doing this because i did it when i covered the practices okay uh mike garrett was there uh marcus allen was there people do like that stuff they you know that's part of the the fan wants to know so i'll conclude it by saying i think it's important that we're there even when they're practicing uh i mean i i agree with all of you what you what you said uh you know, I want to see what the new scheme is like. I, I don't want to have to wait till spring ball, spring game and go, oh, really? That's what they're doing? Uh, my thing the fans right now, and I'll conclude it with this. You want to know what SC is going to do? Watch some Oklahoma film from last year. You're going to get a good idea of what SC is going to do uh, from the running game to how they do their, their sets. And that you want to know what Caleb Williams is going to look like. Watch the, watch the Oklahoma stuff. Mark, oh, did you want yeah. to add something? I was just gonna yeah. say
0: just to wrap it up. Ultimately it's gonna be up to us in the media to earn their trust to allow them to uh invite us in as a 17-year-old Red cats and hang out and you know, just observe and and know what to say and what not to say and when to say it. That's all.
3: And, and you know I'm glad you. I'm glad you Go brought ahead. up the mystery of why Callaway got fired as offensive line coach, because I'm still trying to figure that out. That seemed really unjust to me.
1: I don't know if you're being facetious or not. Yes, do.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. he was. Let me help you with that one.
1: <laughs> All right, wait a minute. In fairness, let's take a vote. All those that think that he's being facetious, say yes. 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 All right, so it's, it's unanimous. So I'll leave it with this. I don't think, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think Lincoln Riley will say, I wanted Oklahoma the way I'm doing it. I'm not doing it any differently at USC, even though it's LA and I'll go by what I'll agree with. Uh, Here's, here's
2: what I would disagree. I'm I'm not here. Here's what I would say. I think Lincoln Raleigh will adopt his um, coaching approach and his style to the needs of the of the team and the and to the extent that the university has its own uh, elements that are different than OU, then you'll see some changes in that regard as well, with its own traditions and and differences uh, from from university to university, and to the extent that he takes it in, it takes into consideration the uh, the uh, media market in Southern California. Uh, that's Frankly, that's up to him. I think he discards it if it doesn't lead to uh, winning football games.
3: And most coaches don't think that opening up practices wins football games, which is why most coaches around the country don't do it. All
1: right. And on that note, we'd like to thank our panel. And a reminder, if you have questions for our panel, go to either of the We SC message boards, click on the thread that pertains to Inside the Trojans Huddle. Uh, Uh, for viewers or listener questions you guys are all out there in uh, media land in terms of asking questions greatly appreciate it so that wraps up this edition of inside the trojan subtle big thank you to this week's panel great mark culkin the great chris Arledge and the great kevin bruce and a big thank you to all of uh, you for watching or listening to inside the trojan subtle so next tuesday this is your host greg catch reminding you all to fight on everybody